Glad that you're here again. It really is good to see some of you. I hadn't seen you in a while. Some of y'all saw you during the week. You were in your golf cart. I was doing my exercise. You passed me. I started running after you because I, I just wanted to ride. So thanks for nothing. Uh, my wife's making me walk every night. So um, I'm all right, though. It's okay. Just more room for little Debbies, right? Uh, and uh, Victoria, we continue to pray. And so glad to see you here. The loss of your grandpa, I know that's a, a big loss to you. And your family will continue to pray for you, okay? But I'm so glad to see you here. It's the best place to be after uh, something like that happens. Well, uh, how many you know where uh, Sarah Jane Road is? Right? Okay. I, you know, they call it Sarah Jane. What are some other names of it? Uh, uh, Pure Atlantic? No, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it's named. If you don't know where... Port Natchez Avenue, okay. East Port, thank you. All right, East Port Natchez Avenue. Uh, there's a difference, yeah. So if you if you don't know about it, there's all these stories about Sarah Jane uh, Road, and uh, if you go, well, what are those stories? I'm not going to tell you. Uh, just uh, go ahead and look up it on Google, and you'll get some information about it. It was a, it's just a road that's very dark, or it was when I was a teenager. I, I never really pay attention while I'm driving, looking at light. I'm usually looking for hogs because I don't want to hit one, but. When we were kids, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16, we'd drive up and down there and just do goofy things. And uh, we were all in a truck back in the day when, you know, six or eight guys could sit in the back of a truck and nobody would stop you. And, and uh, um, I was in the back, and, and there was about four of us in the back and, and two of them in the front. And they, they stopped, and they started weaving. And I thought, oh, no. And he said, hey, we got a flat. And uh, I thought, oh, no. And they said, jump out and check it. Well, they had planned that I would be the only one that jump out. So I jumped out. And I said, what will? It's, it's the back right. And so I, I started to look at it. We had no phones. So you couldn't, you know. And I said, I can't see anything. And then they took off. And they left me about 1030 at night in the middle of Sarah Jane Road somewhere. And, you know, when you're 15, that's about how old I was. When you're 15, you're... <coughs> It's still a little scary when you buy yourself on a road that you can't see anything. And uh, I really felt, uh, you know, af not really afraid, but just nervous because I couldn't see where I was walking. And so I'd get on the road and then I'd see a car come in and it'd make me nervous. Like, I don't know these people. So I would go inside deeper, you know, into the grass and stuff so they couldn't see me because I didn't want to get hit and I didn't want somebody to shoot me, you know. So um, it was a very alone time. I remember I had to walk all the way back to where that new shell station is um, right there on 39th and Whatever that road, six, okay, thank you, yeah. I know how to get there, I just don't know what it's called. So, uh, but I remember kind of being uh, uh, just frightened, unsure, uh, and you'd hear things. It's amazing what you make your mind, your mind makes you believe that there's something out there, and I would hear things, and you felt like somebody was watching you. And then when, you, when I was 11 and 12, I would hear the stories. I, I, I recalled the stories of what happened, and I was looking up in the trees to see, okay, is there somebody hanging out here and but it, it took about 30 to 40 minutes for me to finally get to that point where things were lit up but I felt so long I felt overwhelmed well today in uh, chapter 32 you can turn there we're looking at Exodus and I want to talk about wilderness moments uh, that we all have these moments where we feel like uh, we're in uh, the wilderness and that may be that uh, 
That may be that um, uh, you, there's a disease or there's a divorce or there's an uncertainty. Uh, to be honest with you, to be transparent with you as your pastor, I'm kind of in a wilderness moment here with all this COVID stuff because things are out of the normal, which it's probably the same for you. But coming from me and what I do, I, I have to, it's like I was telling somebody, I have to, when somebody comes in here, I go, well, uh, like Kennedy and I, you know, we were looking at one another and we kind of want, we always hug and we were kind of stuck. And so you have to find out, is it okay? And so we just went for it, you know? And uh, so that's weird to me. Usually I just as I said, I go all in and I'm giving you a hug, whether you like it or not. I hug Jesse all the time because he needs it. That's why he doesn't have as much love inside of him because he's not used to that hugging. Um, but it's, it's really made it off for me. I used to, I was telling Miss Anansi, I used to go visit her a lot. I used to visit Mr. Adams. I used to go visit different people. Now I'm cautious about it. I can't go to the hospital. I wanted to go to the hospitals twice this week to visit some people and I couldn't do it. Uh, it's just this wilderness of pastoring a church. And then because you're in this wilderness, you start thinking, well, when everybody, I mean, this is me being transparent. When everybody, when everything starts to get back to normal, will everybody come back? It's not my doubt in you. It's just that I know that uh, we begin to make habits, you know. Uh, has there been this uh, spiritual life in all of the people that on Sundays they kind of get renewed? That's why the Sabbath is so important. And then I wonder, well, are, are we going to all come back together? Are we going to, is there going to be a time where the groups can meet in the homes? And honestly, as your pastor, I feel like I'm in this wilderness as a pastor, right? So what do we, what do you do with that? What do you do with the wilderness that you're in? Whatever it is. Well, first of all, I want you to remind you that you know Christ and Christ knows you. That has not gone away. If there's any distance, it's just us that seem to not do these four keys or practice these four keys to gaining the advantage while in the wilderness, right? Because we've got to gain the advantage for our spiritual lives when we're in this wilderness or it'll tear us apart. And so I want to start reading. In Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to read all the way through, then I'll give you some these four keys that I think are real important. So here we go. It says this. It says, uh, when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain. Now that, that word delayed in the Hebrew really is a picture. Remember, a lot of Hebrew words are pictures. And so when you see that word delayed, you think, well, he didn't come down for a while. But it really has a picture of they saw him as acting shamefully. They said, Moses went up and he's acting shamefully because he has not come down in a while. And they thought that that's what that word means. He's, he's acted shamefully according to the Israelites. It says, coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said to him, come make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now, when it says we'll make gods, that God, is, that God in the Hebrew is the word Elohim, which means a divine God. It's not the Israelites' proper name for God. It's not Jehovah. So I want you to understand, they're asking for something different. And it says, and Aaron replied to them, take off the gold rings that, that are on, the, on your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. That's a lot of earrings, isn't it? 
When you think about it made a calf, but you're talking about a, a million people or at least three to 6,000. I'll explain that in just a few minutes. He took the goat from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of, of a calf. And then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of, uh, in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord. Now, you see the difference is he didn't say Elohim. He said the proper name. He said, this will be a festival to Jehovah. So what Aaron wanted was, listen, guys, we need to stick with Jehovah. What they wanted was this God, this golden calf. And it says there will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose and they offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. I like, that's why I got this. You can call it what you want to in, in the uh, uh, different translations, it says they, they uh, were involved in uh, rivalry. They were involved in, in uh, just this, uh, what we call partying, okay? And it says, the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, go down at once. And I want you to notice this. And this is what God said to Moses. Your people, you brought up from the land of Egypt, have acted corruptly. Now stop and think about it. I'd be going, excuse me? I brought up out of Egypt, my people. And what God, I believe, was doing was saying, yes. Watch this. How much are you into this? Are you going to see my promise through? Are you committed to my purpose? That's what that means. I want to know if you see this as just me doing a work or if you see this as me using you to do my work. And boy, there's a message for all of us in that. Are you committed? And we're going to see it over. He says, he said, they've acted corruptly. And they have quickly, look, they turned from the way I've commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf, and they have bowed down to, to, uh, to it, and they've sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods. Whom brought, who uh, brought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen these people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. That word stiff-necked in the Hebrew can mean obstinate. They are difficult. They are hard. You ever met anybody like that? Obstinate, difficult, hard, difficult to be around, just uneasy, uh, just can't work with them. Look at this. It says, now leave me alone so that, I'm, that I may, uh, that my anger can burn against them. Now, I want you to know these three things. My anger is going to burn against them. Then I will destroy them. And then, Moses, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Wait a minute. Are you with me? Wait a minute. The promise goes back to Genesis that he made to who? Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants or your, your people as, as, as many as the stars. And then when it was time, he said, Moses, we're going to keep this thing going. I believe this was another test to say, okay, get out of the way. God knew exactly what was going on, but uh, he wanted to say, Moses, do you know what's going on? Because I want, I want, I want you to understand this. Remember... He's with this people that are whining and complaining and grumbling, right? And do you realize at that time, his flesh, stop and think about it. Listen, just get out of the way. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to take care of them all. 
I'm going to destroy him. I'm done. And uh, did the flesh part of Moses go, good. There's a few I really want you to burn heavy. There had to be that part of him. And then, stop and think about Moses' ego. And then, hey Moses, I am going to start all over. I'm going to cut ties with this Abraham covenant I made, the promise. But now, I am going to make you the promise. You're the new promise. Well, you got to remember, this is a time where your name and who you were as a man... To be able to have that be your lineage once you're gone? He was saying, Moses, I'm going to start with you. We're going to start all over. What do you say? How hard that would that have been to let go? Right? But watch this. He said, now leave me alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to destroy them, and I'm going to start all over with you. What do you think of that? And here's what Moses says. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. He said, Lord, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? He threw it back. You know, this is good for me, even as a pastor, as a leader, to say, you know, God, this is your church. Just an extra reminder, this is, this is your church. I, I'm, I'm telling you, and I pray even this morning, Lord, I, I don't want to grow your church by any extracurricular things that we do. I want you to grow your church by your spirit. Because look, look, he says, Lord, why does your anger burn against, he threw it back, your people. Remember, God said, hey, what about the people that you brought up? And God's going, no, no, no. I mean, Moses is going, no, no. These are your people. Your anger burned against your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt. Uh, most of us think that God would have went, don't you talk to me like that. But God was going, I believe God was up in heaven going, good, you're learning. These are my people. You just do what I ask. You do what I say. You obey me. I want to see if you, look, guys, don't you see that he was asking Moses or putting Moses to a test to say, how much are you into this? Are you going to see this through? Same question we're asked as a church. How much are we into this? We're not done as carpenter's way just because something hit us like this. Are you going to see it through? Is this going to be your home? Is this going to be your place? Are you going to see this work through? It's for all of us. Look, he says, he says, people you brought out of Egypt with great power and strong name. His strong hand. Why should the Egyptians say, well, he brought them out here with evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this, the disaster plan for your people. And remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? You swore to them by yourself. And you declared, I will make your offspring. You notice he said you swore to them, and he didn't say in front of them. He said you swore to them by yourself. You are God. You said you were going to do this. Nobody, you don't have to swear it to anybody because you made the decision to do this. And that's what I'm believing in. And so Moses, I can just see, it's almost like a mom or a dad when you kind of test your kids. You've ever done that? Kind of go, hey, and you do something and you're kind of watching. And when they say the right thing and do the right thing, you go, good, right? This is it. 
He's saying, good. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give your offspring all the land that I have promised, and they will inherit it forever. He was quoting God. That's where our power is. That we would quote God's word. That we would quote what he says as a promise. That even through whatever you're going through in the wilderness, you would say, hey, God, this is what you say to me. God doesn't get mad when we quote scripture and say, oh, God, uh, you know, you said you're with me all the time, right? I'm crucified with you. God's not going, don't tell me what I told you. I know what I told you. And that what we do as parents? Don't tell me that. I know I told you that. But he's going, yeah, I want you. I want, I want you to trust in what I say. Look, he says, I will declare to you offspring numerous of the stars and uh, offspring all the land that I have promised and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented. Now, this is where people struggle. You mean the Lord? And that relented, I mean, it's a, it's a word that means God said, I'm, I'm sorry. You can look at all you want. No, theologians don't like to say that because it's like it proves God as being somebody who changes his mind. Well, remember, I always believe this. God wasn't changing uh, his mind, right? He was changing the heart of Moses, right? He was changing his heart. God said, good for you. You have passed. You are committed to this covenant that I made with Abraham. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for obeying me. Watch this. Thank you for being patient with my people. Being patient with me and my timing, not yours. Thank you for persevering through the grumbling and the crying and the whining. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me that when you walk out of your tent in the morning, just as those million and a half people out there walking out of their tent, thank you for trusting me that I'm going to give you manna and I'm going to give you uh, these quail and I'm going to take care of you. Thank you for persevering that when you're thirsty, I'll give you sweet water when it looks sour and I'll make water come from a rock. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for lifting up your staff. When I tell you to, and trusting, and saying, go through the waters. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me. Right? And then, watch this. Thank you for talking with me, Moses. Thank you for communicating with me. Are you all with me? Because, see, when we talk about this, all Moses is doing is involved in prayer. He is communicating. But in that prayer time, he's listening, and he's speaking He's talking. He's communicating. Are you? During your wilderness? Are you? Am I? I, I try to. But here's the thing. At the bottom of the hill, mountain, all these people can still see the cloud. They still see the physical presence of God on that cloud. Look, it says this. So the Lord relented, and then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. And they were inscribed on both sides. God was, uh, I always like to say, God was green. He used both sides of the rock just to make sure he didn't waste, he didn't waste paper or rock. He inscribed them both front and back. And the tablets were the work of God, and the writing uh, was God's writing engraved on the tablets. It wasn't Moses. 
It was God's. Look, and when Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. You've got to remember, when Moses went up the mountain, remember he went up there seven times. When Moses went up the mountain, watch this, about halfway he said, uh, you wait here, Joshua. Wait here. And then he went up and he communicated with God. He talked to God. He prayed with God. He got the Ten Commandments. We read about the Ten Commandments last, last week in, verse, in chapters 20. But you've got to remember all these things that are happening over time. And people are just waiting. It says, when Joshua heard this, he said, there's sound of war in the camp. Look what Moses uh, said. But Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory, a cry. And it's not the sound of a cry of defeat. I hear the sound of singing. And as he approached the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses became enraged. He made a big mistake here in his anger, which is a whole other message about being angry. And he paid for it later. He, he says, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and smashing them at the base of the mountain. Now, we've all seen it on the movies, and it's hyped up, but goodness, I always wonder what God thought. You know, he gets mad and throws them down and God's, I mean, I'm not God, but I'd be thinking, man, I just made those. What's, what's going on? Why you, why you have to run? Now I'm going to have to remake them. No, no. You know what? I'm going to make you remake them. Listen this. It says, throw it at the base of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and they burned it up and they ground it into powder and he scattered the powder over the surface of the water and he forced the Israelites to drink the water. Man, he just stopped everything. That's power. But that's the power of God. And in his anger, I'm sure the Levites helped him come along before he called them. It could have happened after. But all of a sudden, they, they melted that calf down. It stopped the party. It stopped it. Right? It ended. And he did all that. He, ground, he, he melted it. That took some time. He grounded it down. And then he threw it in the water. I can just see him grabbing the necks of Israelites saying, If you love this so much, drink it. Take it in. Watch this. When I counsel people, and that, that's kind of what I tell them. I go, you know, you can either do this or do that. If you love to do that, then go do that. Nobody can stop you. You're going to do what you want to do. It's your choice. That's what he was saying. If you want this so bad, take it all in. Live it. Drink it in. Watch this. Because as they drank it, it was going to kill them eventually. What they were taking in into their body, some things that we do are going to kill us. You realize that? We keep on doing the things that we're doing. We keep on making the mistakes that we're making. Uh, last night, uh, the TV was just on, and all of a sudden, the channel came on. It's all this thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I'd never seen it before. It's about courts in America, like these real live videos from court in America. You ever seen it? How people go nuts in the courtroom and they attack the people that they're mad at and they blow up and they scream and they holler and uh, they're rude to people. They, they're just rebellious. And then they go to jail for 30, 40 years and even life. It just adds to their problem. Right? And you go, wow. Why did you just do that? Why did you just mess yourself? It's like people that get stopped by the police that all they had was a taillight out. Hey, you got a taillight out. And they get mad. And then they end up going to jail. You're going, why don't you just say thank you? I'll change it. You know, we cause our own problems and we blame everybody else. He said, man, you love this? Drink it up. 
It's going to kill you anyway. Listen, they forced the Israelites to drink it. And then Moses asked Aaron, what did these people do to you? Because Aaron had a little part. And then he stopped. And after all that's going on, he goes, Aaron. Yeah. What's wrong with you? What did these people do to you? And then the lie comes up. The people who do you that you've led them into is such a great sin. Don't be, don't be enraged, my Lord. Aaron replied, you yourself know that the people are intent on evil. Man, you've worked with these people. Look, he said, they said to me, make gods for us who will go before us. Because uh, this Moses, the man who brought us out from the land of Egypt, we don't know what, ha- what has happened to him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it into the fire, poof, out came this calf. It was absolutely amazing. But we can go back in scripture and see that what? He fashioned it. He he used an engraving tool. Aaron got himself in, in trouble. The people didn't get, listen, he lost his integrity. He lost his character, right? He didn't trust that even Moses would come down. He didn't trust God. He didn't have patience and say, no, we're not going to do that. He didn't persevere and say, we're not going to do that. He lost it. Look, it says, uh, uh, Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them get out of control. Now, when that word, that Hebrew word, it's real interesting. I just, I just love this, this language. That Hebrew word, out of control, it says it in three words, but the thought there, the picture there, is that they were running around naked. They were out of control. They were naked. And what happens is when they did that, listen, if we run around naked in the woods or outside, we open ourselves to a lot of pain, right? And what he was saying was, you let these people, these people are out of control. They're naked. The enemy has gotten to them. Everything's open. They're exposed. They're exposed to believing that a calf will get them out of their situation. It says control and Aaron had let them get out of control and making them a laughing stock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and he said, now here's where we go. Wow, I can't believe God let him do that. Or God did that. Whoever is for the Lord come to me and all the Levites gathered around him. Right? The Levites, man, they were, they were teetotalers. They were strong. He told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Every man fasten his sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp, from entrance to entrance, and each of you kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbor. In other words, what he was saying, it doesn't matter if you know them, it doesn't matter if they're kin to you, but if they are involved in this, they're going to have to pay for this. Now, here's what I want you to see. As I stepped back, I thought, look, it says, it says this. It says, and the Levites did as Moses commanded, and about 3,000 men fell that day among the people. 1 million to 1.5 million people, and only 3,000 fell? That's less than 1%. She said, well, what does that mean? Isn't it funny that the people in our lives, the people in the country, that it's probably less than 1%. That cause most of our problems. Those of you who are teachers, it's probably less than 1% that cause issues in your classrooms. Why does the less than 1% cause the issue? Because the 99 point whatever percent sometimes are like Aaron and they let it happen. You go, I can't control that as a teacher. I can't control that as a police officer. I can't control that as a coach. I can't control it in my business. But you can make a difference within you 
that when people see you in a wilderness situation, that you are strong. You prove your, not prove your love to God, but your love for God is so strong that you, they see you getting through the process on your faith. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. One percent. Stop and think about the one point whatever million people that are sitting there and they're watching this happen. See, that's, that's, that's those of us who want to make good choices. Can you imagine the sons and daughters and the fathers that died that day? Can you imagine moms in the back hearing what's going on and kind of hearing the news, hey, they're having a party, they've built a calf, they're, they're leaving Moses, and people having to make a choice. And the, the young boys, the sons, standing up and saying, I'm going, Mommy. You go, no, you are staying home. You are still my son. You are still my daughter. For the husband that stood up in a time of weakness that said, hey, listen, listen, this Moses has wreaked havoc on our lives. We were better off being slaves. Come on, family. But the wife saying, no, no, you will not take the kids. Trusting, persevering, being patient and trusting God. And even praying, oh God, help my husband who's about to make a bad mistake. Are y'all with me about the things that are happening in our lives? But the husband leaves and was one of the 3,000 that died the day. Or the son ran away or the daughter ran away. And they died. But at the end, they got to walk into the promised land with the people that chose poorly. Look. Levites did. Moses commanded about 3,000 fell that day among the people. And afterward, Moses said, Today uh, uh, you have been dedicated to the Lord since each man went against his son. He was talking about the Levites and his brother. Therefore, you have brought a blessing on yourselves today. The following day, Moses said to the people, You've committed a grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. What a beautiful picture of Christ who atoned for our sin at the cross. Listen, it says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. And God's going, I know, I told you that. <laughs> Listen, now if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. What a beautiful picture. You know what he's doing? You know what this is a picture of? Everybody look at me, understand this. This is... This is Moses interceding for the people. Do you intercede for other people? Or do you just say, boy, they're headed down the road? Or do you intercede for them? Do you pray? Say, God, help them get out of it. God, man, I pray a lot for a lot of people. I say, God, protect them from themselves. God, protect them from the people that they're around. Make, I pray, God, would you even make the friends that are bringing them down, make them for some reason dislike that person so that they will want to remove themselves. So the only thing they have left are people in, in the church, people of you. Do you intercede? Do you intercede for students? Do you intercede for, for the people at your place of work that you want to call dumb and idiots and overbearing? Or do you intercede for them? Do you pray for them? That's what Moses did. And don't you know that God was happy going, wow, Moses, you are in this to the end. Now you're begging me. 
You're interceding for the people. You understand, watch this, my heart. Right? Isn't that a, that's a beautiful picture that. He see, and then he said, please erase me from the book. That's a hard prayer. I mean, really, stop and think about it. Come on. You get to go to heaven in the book. And you go, I'll let these 1.5 million people go if you want to take my name out. Total separation from God? Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Look at this. It says, uh, and the Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I'll erase from my book. In other words, he says, thank you, Moses. Keep on praying. But you have to understand something. I will have a reckoning with them. And I can do what I want. Now go lead the people to the place I've told you about. And see, my angel will go before you. But on that day, I settle, on the day I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. Thank you, Moses, for your willingness to do that. But people will stand accountable for their sin. I said across the table when I was, gosh, I was young, talking to a teenager who just shot a person and killed them, just pulled out a shotgun. God came to the door and just killed him. He's sitting in jail. He's like all of 18, maybe 17. And I mean, he did it. And he said, he asked the question of me, he said, Brother Pat, will God ever forgive me? And I said, I said, uh, do you have a personal relationship with him? He said, yes, I accepted Christ, told me all about it. And I said, I know, I was there. He said, do you think God ever forgive me? And I said, man, you have done a bad thing. But you still receive grace. But I need you to understand something. Your grace will be behind bars for the rest of your life. That's God's grace to you. In other words... Whatever we do, guys, we're, we're going to have consequences for our actions. Right? But you can still have God's grace. Look, now go lead the people to the place I've told you about. See, my angel will go before you. But on that day, I settle account. Sometimes God's account says, I will forgive you. But now you're going to live for me behind those bars. And there's people that are. He says, I will hold them accountable for their sin. And the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did with the calf Aaron had made. So, yeah, there was a reckoning. We forget about the majority that did as they were told. We forget about this, and they watched from the outside. And that's us. Some of us watch. We watch from the outside as people make decisions that aren't good for them. But we must always intercede for them. We must always want them to come back into the fold of Christ. You with me? Listen, I want you to understand this is a beautiful story with so many messages in it about Moses, about leadership. But here are the four keys, uh, I believe, to gaining the advantage while in the wilderness. First of all, here it is. And I said them about three or four times in this message. You probably already know them. Whatever you're going through, Number one is trust. You just have to trust God. They were supposed to trust God. Those mothers that held their sons there, those, those uh, uh, sons that watched their fathers leave and would weep because they didn't know if they'd see him again, and then they found out they're dead, and they would want to be mad because God took them. It wasn't God that took them. It was, it was their sin that overtook them. 
we got to trust. How many of you are trusting God? Just trust him in the midst of this. So, so remember I told you I was being transparent with you earlier that I'm kind of in my wilderness. I'm just trusting that we're going to come through this. I'm trusting that we are going to continue to grow as we were on a growth spurt. We'll continue to grow and we'll continue to do ministry. We'll continue to do the work that God's called us to do. We will continue to be a people that are trying to do our best to influence our community with the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue to do that by growing in God's word, right? By engaging our community. All those things, we just got to continue and trust that God still, that night, or that morning at 1.30 that gave me the vision, I'm still going to trust that the vision's going to continue to happen. Listen, second, patience. You just got to be patient. You got to be patient with people. You got to be patient with God. His timing is not our timing. Be patient with Him. And then perseverance. Just persevere. Get through it. Many of us, we give up so easily. <laughs> you ever notice that? We give up so easy. Uh, 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 going back to patience. Did you know we Twitter stories of 140 characters or less? And for some of us, the tweet's too long to read. Right? How many of you started reading something? 120 characters, and we're going, that's too long. We are impatient. We honk when lights turn green. Right? I do that. I want to honk. And I go, and I talk. My wife has to hear me talk. Hello? Hello? Thank you. Do you, you don't do that, do you? No. no, never. There are times where I want to roll down my window, but I've got to be patient. Okay? Got to be patient. Right? Many give up, give up so easily. Hold on. You'll get through the wilderness. You'll get through it. And then prayer. Listen, you know what Moses did? He did. He interceded. And that's the last thing I want you to see. Trust in God. Be patient. That's what Moses was. Persevere. That's what the people did. That's what Moses did. A few of them didn't. But continue communication with God. Remember, it says this. Um, it says this in Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So whenever it was heavy on Moses, that's what he did. He approached God. With confidence and said, No, these are your people. You led them out of here. You made the problems. I'm with you. Let's get this done. So, you know, this morning, just to be transparent, that's what I did. I said, Lord, I'm in this wilderness, but this is your church. You started it. You died for it. So, you make us prevail. And God goes, Good, because I don't need you. I just choose to use you. And I go, okay, I'm obedient. I'm obedient. Watch. And remember, prayer is coming into the presence of God with confidence, offering our love and our trust to him, making our requests known, while at the same time allowing him to speak to us through the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and others believers. So God was speaking to him. Listen, the people made a... It, I'm going to go through this. This is a, a psalm that told about the people and how they acted. So the people made a calf on Mount Sinai. They bowed before the image made of gold. Look at this. They traded. Look at these words. They traded their glorious God for a statue of grass-eating bull. Listen, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done such great things in Egypt. Look, such great things in Egypt. Such wonderful things in the land of Ham. Such awesome deeds at the Red Sea. 
So he declared he would destroy them. But Moses, his chosen one, stepped in between the Lord and the people, and he begged him to turn from his anger and not destroy them. That's us. That's what we're supposed to do. Man, think of all the awesome deeds God's done for you, saw you through. So as you walk away, you can take a picture of it, maybe to think about it this week, is this. Trust your Savior. Understand that patience will be required and let perseverance lead you to making prayer a priority between you and God as you struggle. Watch this. As you, only because I, I know you, as, you, as you struggle at school this week, as you struggle in moving to a new home, as you struggle with the loss, as you struggle with going back to work when you've enjoyed a vacation, as you struggle with the fears of your kids going back to school, as you struggle with kids getting married, as you struggle with the divorce, as you struggle with loneliness, as you struggle with your confidence, as you struggle with wondering if you're going to have... Perseverance leads to making prayer a priority. I'm going to pray for you. I went one minute over. Oh, no. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. And help us to trust you. Help us to be patient. Help us to be patient with how you move. And it may not be what we want. Help us to have strong perseverance. And our trust would not be removed or lightened. And Father, as we're talking to you now, help us to pray to you. Help us to intercede, not only for ourselves, but intercede for the people that are causing problems in our life, for the situations that are causing problems in our life. And Father, as your pastor, that you've called to pastor this church as your servant, the best way I know how, I trust you and your work here through all this. I will be patient for your moving, not mine. And I will persevere. Give me strength to do it. And I will continue to communicate with you and intercede for your church. And we pray this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you have a blessed week. God bless all of you.